Hey, if you're listening to this, you've tuned into episode two of Church Jams Now. Wait, uh, is it? Uh, can we? Do oh yeah, we're gonna thing? do volumes. You're right. Volumes. Hey, if you're listening to this, you're tuning in to volume two of Church Jams Now. All right, welcome everybody to Church Jams Now. This is our second episode for those of y'all just now joining us. It's not a radio show. Um, all right, this is our second episode of Church Jams Now. Basically what this is, this is a podcast where we have normally two, but we have a third one this week, but normally two former youth group kids and current music nerds discuss and reevaluate Christian music albums from the 90s and 2000s. I am your host, Kylan Savage. And I am TJ here as well. And Kylan, who's our, who's our third uh, member today here on the pod? Oh yeah, we're no longer a duo. Second episode coming in hot. We have musician extraordinaire, former college roommate, current best friend, dad, amazing guy, Josh Olson. What's up, Josh? Hey, Kylan. Hey, TJ. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Long time well, listener, course. first time guest yeah you're our first <laughs> guest i mean we came out with the guests pretty quickly not i don't know if a lot of podcasts start to have guests two episodes in but it's a bold move we're just not we're not messing around on this podcast we're serious professionals uh yeah so josh tell us a little bit about yourself i know in the first episode we kind of gave everyone a little bit of our backstory in terms of like growing up in the church listening to a lot of this music what we kind of do musically things like that if you want to give the listeners you know a little bit of context about who you are that would be awesome yeah for sure well it's going to be very similar to y'all's um grew up in the 90s as a kid going to church so i was actually a pk for a while a little bit later well my dad was a pastor kind explain of, explain what yeah no, what's a pk, a PK Josh? Uh, to people that might not yeah know. <laughs> the in group calls them pks but i was a pastor's kid so my dad was a pastor yeah. growing up so we were at church all the time, going to every church event you could possibly think of, youth group, of course. So growing up in that, listening to music, growing up in my parents really only listened to CCM um, whenever I was a yeah. kid. I don't remember them listening. Explain what that is. Too. Oh, it's, yeah. Tell us about yeah, CCM. Man, all right, breaking. We got. Down. I know we got. We got all the. All you're, the lingo. you're a translator, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you brought me in here. I love the people who are going to be listening <laughs> to this podcast breaking down these records are going to be like, what's CCM? But uh, for those of you <laughs> yeah. out there listening, it is Christian contemporary music, which back in the day was real great. Um, I mean, not that it's great now. So, <laughs> but growing up, yeah, yeah, my parents didn't listen to anything that wasn't on, been getting played on what would be any Christian radio station right now, like Caleb. Or, yeah. And that wasn't sold yeah. in family Christian bookstores and in the Christian section of Best Buy, whatnot. So oh, yeah. that's all that I had to listen to. Um, Could only buy music from Lifeway. Yes. And what? Yeah, if Lifeway didn't sell it, we didn't listen to it. That was a real rule. <laughs> yeah, so grew up listening to all that stuff. 
it still made an impact on me um, that to where I wanted to get into music and that is what I currently enjoy doing. That's how I met y'all, of course, going to DBU and getting into, obviously, branching out into... Some what's other... what's DBU? Break that down for people. Yeah, I'm just yeah, can you explain <laughs> DBU? <laughs> uh, that's where I met Kylan. He was my roommate. Here we are 10 plus years later. Dang, yeah. Yeah, a long time. 12, oh, over 10. Yeah. Right, did we go in 2009? Yeah, it was 2009. 11 years, dang. Yep. Now explain the word 11, <laughs> Kyle. Is that just going to be one less than a dozen? terrible bet <laughs> that, that we're going to just roll with for this whole time. I hope not. Uh, that's funny. Uh, yeah, Josh, I remember, because we were just randomly assigned as each other's roommates at DBU, and I remember because we had one other guy named Josh, and when they first sent out everyone's roommate assignments i remember in your information you didn't have a facebook page and i was so confused because like who the hell didn't have a facebook I page a real person that was like a badge of pride for a while that's true yeah i was proud of it it wasn't until i joined t-tams kylan's band that i was like oh i gotta i gotta rep everyone you know i gotta tell now, explain t-tams yes the truth about movie stars <laughs> Man, that could be an episode, you know, talking about uh, going through your old music. Uh, that's going to be a Patreon. Yeah. Oh, only. yeah, perfect. That's perfect for <laughs> that. Yeah. So. Christmas episode. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. so that's how we got assigned. I do remember my music tasting back then. It has grown a lot, but I remember I had this big old thing of CDs in my car that I listened to, and I think we only ever listened whenever you were riding with me to Under Oath and maybe like some Emory or something like that because the rest of my cd collection wasn't that great so it's since gotten better but and oh and I, like i was well, gonna by not great do you mean it was only project 86 records it was, I mean, it was every project 86 that was out at the time Project 86 oh yeah they're my favorite band burn. back in the day yeah it was a compliment we might just have to do a project we'll, 86 yeah album we'll, review. We'll, we'll bring you back for a project oh, 86 I will record throw down sure. on that episode <laughs> Um, oh, and circling back to my uh, upbringing, I can also, so same thing that y'all were talking about with growing up youth group and church and listening to all those music, I can add another level to that in the fact that I was homeschooled up until about sixth grade, and then I went to a oh, Christian shoot. private school up until I graduated, so really not much better. So, Man, yeah, you I'm, were in the center oh, of the that culture. Yes. <laughs> That's right. In in Texas, and so it's yes. like right, like oh yeah, yeah, heart of the Bible Belt. Oh yeah, everyone that I know that my parents know goes to church and so it might the same music. It might be safe to say that you are you might be able you might be considered an expert in the field of listening to Christian music from the nineties and two thousands. I, Would that be correct? I think you could say that. And if and if that's too bold a claim, often there's the terminology used: the armchair expert. Expert. Uh, Josh could be the church pew expert. Oh, church pew like expert. Ooh, that's there. good. Ooh, that might be a new segment. Yeah, you know, I have to figure something awesome. out. That. TJ, church pew one. expert. Or that could just be the name of the podcast. We can just rip off Dax Shepherd's podcast. Yeah. <laughs> or Josh could just be our resident church pew yeah, expert. Yeah, y'all can just go Ooh, to that me. Might be good. We like kick it to him, like yeah. All right, now we got a segment from Josh. Analysis is from our church pew expert. 
I like that. Okay, so Josh, so okay, so we went over the former youth group kid part. Now let's talk a little bit about the music nerd part. Like, what musically? Like, what are you up to right now? Like, well, uh, obviously, I know y'all from playing in lots of bands together throughout our years. So I kind of get a lot of the music nerdness from y'all, and that's why we're such good friends. Um, involved in a couple of projects right now, just with whatever's Kyle, whatever Kylan's doing. Um, we just, I have a couple of friends that we just released a worship album. So that kind of fits into it's super good. What this. is it called? Who is it? Uh, talk, talk about oh. it. You can, you can plug, oh, I can it. plug it. I mean, okay. This is shameless yeah, plug. This is a plug now yeah, guys. <laughs> uh, the band is called Plainsman worship. It's me and a couple of my good friends who have all played with Kylan and TJ and we've all done lots of shows and played lots of, notes and chords together um yeah. the album is called giver of good things it just dropped in, on may 1st we've been working on it for a long time but it's finally out so it's super good i think it's you. really funny though when i posted like the day that it came out i posted about it and i tagged you and caleb and bethany and my dad texted me like 30 minutes later he was like wait what do you have a worship album out? I was like, no, it's just all my friends that have played on all of my other stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're kind of by they're by, out there doing proxy, plenty of other legitimate of do, things, though. <laughs> yeah, by proxy, I'm executive producer. Exactly, we'll put you on there. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. What a well, what a move to pull on your dad. Kylan's in the liner notes. <laughs> anything else I need to talk about? I don't think so, man. Um, unless you got anything in particular. If yeah. not, then I just really like music. I and we all like I feel music. like our listeners already I feel like our listeners already now know Josh better than they know Kylan or myself probably because we like gave him this excellent opportunity yeah, thanks, to do a little testimonial I know, <laughs> if I, I know, may we didn't do that I don't want to come into your podcast and start coming up with segments and whatnot but Kylan you mentioned last episode that two left to make a right was your first CD you ever bought TJ what was yours Oh, that's good. See, Josh, uh, you're already so much better at this than we are. You just want to yeah, do I this podcast. I get to listen to it like just... secondhand, though, so I can kind of take it a little more like objectively. That's true. But but I will say this is this is why it was Kylan's genius to bring you in on episode two. We we're like, See, wait, once we, again, need, we need some help. Executive producer, I'm the ideas <laughs> man. I bring in the people that are good at what they do. Great job, buddy. Yeah, my first album that I bought with my own money. Shoot, what would that have been? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Reliant K self titled album oh dang oh gee oh so yeah yeah uh came in well we'll save reliant k for a very special episode i feel like yeah yeah that'll be a, a dearly cherished yeah time what about you josh <laughs> first cd i think it was and it allows me to have a little bit of uh where it's not total embarrassment it's mostly embarrassment but i think it was thousand foot crutch the art of breaking so oh, I, I was yeah. worried for a long time when i would think about it. i'm like I, I i'm worried it's gonna be like some kj52 record or something which is terribly embarrassing <laughs> but slightly that gives you more church puke cred yeah bro. so it could very well be a kj52 record but i think it was tfk's art of breaking uh yeah that's definitely a potential album for this podcast too a phenomenon for sure. There's so many. There's so many of these. The longer we do this thing, the more I realize there it's just a treasure trove, honestly. Yeah, it's never it's never ending. 
All right, cool. We should talk about this week. If y'all listened last week, you know. This week we are listening to Take Me to Your Leader by Newsboys. Came out in 1996. This was a very, very, very big album for me. I remember just the artwork looked so cool with the, with the futuristic car and all that stuff. It was super rad. Um, but let's give a little bit of context on the band. I did some research. So this is Kylan's Research Corner. And we can kind of talk about the band, the Newsboys. Feel free to jump in anytime if, if anything I say uh, leads to uh, something you want to talk about. But basically, uh, what I found, uh, the Newsboys were founded in 1986 in Australia. They're an Australian Christian rock band. They were originally called The News, but they changed their name due to Huey Lewis on The News. Wow. Nice. I yeah. had no idea. Was there a lawsuit? No, no. They just, they were just like, oh, wait, there's this other massive, but they were in Australia, so maybe they didn't get Huey Lewis in the news until 1986. Because at that point, how long had Huey Lewis in the news been around? I mean, like sports was a couple years yeah, before that, right? Back to the Future yeah. was 85, and they were in that. So. so then they changed it to Newsboys to not be confused. <laughs> The Australian garage rock band. The boys that bring the news, not to be confused with Huey (laughs) Lewis and the news. Right. So I found out too, dude, so Newsboys is right up there with DC Talk. I know we talked about DC Talk being one of the biggest bands in Christian music in the 90s. Um, As far as like chart topping? Yeah, yeah. And just, just popularity. Newsboys is definitely up there too. I found out they've sold more than 10 million units uh eight of their albums have gone gold wow they've had 33 number one radio hits four grammy nominations two american music award nominations and multiple dove awards i know we haven't talked about dove awards much maybe that's something for a later podcast but that's just the christian music grammys real prestigious uh so this album take me to your leader was their sixth album it was released in 1996 the band had a lot of lineup changes, but at the time of this album, so I looked up the lineup on who was playing in the band, and I just copied exactly from Wikipedia because I thought some of these descriptions were really funny of like what people played, things like that. So they had John James as lead vocals and backing vocals, which, by the way, did y'all know that Peter Furler wasn't like the only lead singer of Newsboys? This is something I wanted to talk about because okay. I had no idea. I thought it was Peter yeah. Furler the whole time. I did too. Yeah. I had no clue. I had no I, clue. I knew there were multiple people, but I never could have told you who they were. They switch off on this record, right? Yeah, yeah. Because Peter Furler was uh, the drummer at the time. It's a real Phil and Collins was, move. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was very Phil Collins. He played drums. So it says Peter Furler on this record played drums, lead vocals, backing vocals, guitar, keyboards, harmonica, kazoo, and whistling. Crucial, crucial instruments. I remember reading these liner notes now that you're reading them off. Yeah, right? And that's so funny. Uh, Then they had Jody Davis, who's been in the band for a long time doing guitar and backing vocals. Duncan Phillips, just as percussion, but I believe it was after this record that... Duncan Phillips was just the drummer, right? Yeah, when Peter like went to Peter, full lead after Peter John Fo- James Furler left. did just straight up lead vocals and Duncan Phillips was the drummer. Yeah, Jeff Frankenstein on keyboards, which I always thought 
That's such a cool last name. Yeah. Baller last name. Especially yeah. for a keyboardist. Right. I know. It just fits. It does. And then lastly, you have Phil Joel playing bass, doing lead vocals, backing vocals, and whistling. So this was the last album that they did with John James and the first album that they did with Phil Joel. I know Phil Joel, he was the blonde, curly... Yeah, he was the looker, I thought. He at least... I, I remember him having really striking features. They, they drew me in. All right, so a little bit more about Newsboys. Um, Peter Furler left the band in 2009 after getting Michael Tate of DC Talk fame to replace him as lead singer. It was all apparently very amicable, and he was just tired. Michael Tate, I guess, wasn't doing nothing. <laughs> he just wanted and to so, take a nap. <laughs> yeah. He's like, no, I'm that's done what I said. touring, guys. Dude, dude, I read like a bunch of interviews, and he said that. He was like, I took 18 months and did not do anything related to music. <laughs> like, he was just like over it, which I get. Yeah. Uh, but apparently they all reunited again a couple years ago. And they were on that DC Talk Cruise that oh, we nice. talked about. Yeah. So this record, Take Me to Your Leader, was nominated at the Grammys for Best Rock Gospel Record, along with Bloom by Audio Adrenaline, and it lost to Jesus Freak by DC Talk. It was up in the same year as Jesus Freak by DC Talk, yeah. Also, apparently, um, every track except for Miracle Child from this record, which wasn't released as a radio single, but every other one became a top 10 hit on oh, hold on what does it say became a top 10 hit on at least one of ccm magazine's christian charts wow that's crazy yeah so i know too last time we talked we gave a lot of context of like other albums and stuff that were popular when jesus freak came out like stuff at the grammys but they were up in the same year so there's not a lot so if you're curious go back to volume one and listen to that section for the context this album too in particular like this is one of the ones i know we had talked about when we first started talking about the idea of this podcast i just remember it being weird very weird it's so strange to me that newsboys were such a huge part of christian music because i just remember them being very odd like lyrically and musically, I remember them taking a lot of chances that I feel like you don't see in a lot of Christian music today. Yep. They, um, were, they were out there, for sure. Yeah. I remember liking them because they were so strange, because they sounded so eclectic compared to a lot of their other, like, CCM peers. Right. Yeah. This is one I was thinking back to, like, just the fact that my dad had this, like, it did definitely stand out as being weird because like he had everything else that, you know, your typical pastor and conservative Christian father in the nineties would have like Carmen, Stephen Curtis Chapman, Phillips Craig and Dean, Michael W. Smith. But oh, thinking back Phillips like Craig the, and Dean. Yeah. But I'm like the fact that he had this record, I'm like, oh, dad, this is kind of weird for you to have. And I don't even remember if he was even like big into the newsboys. I think he just gave it to me and I really liked it, but it wasn't something we ever like listened to together. So it was a definitely a yeah. weird album to be big for. And like some of the earlier stuff was pretty weird. I feel like after this, whenever they did like step up to the microphone and other stuff, it, it was definitely 
more getting more normalized to CCM standards, I guess, as mm-hmm. they got more fame. Yeah, in I feel like American I feel like they started CCM going more into like a worship music kind of thing. Whereas I feel like they started out as more like a Christian band instead of a worship band. Yeah, and that's something yeah. that a lot of either younger people may not know that back in the day they did original music instead of just doing worship music like they've done for the past 10 oh, or yeah, so years. Oh, yeah, because they really transitioned into, like, worship albums. Yeah, and I think that's probably where they got all their big Devil Words and Grammys, I'm guessing, because people eat that up. Yeah. Yeah, because they did, right, they did a cover of that, of God's Not Dead, and that they did that song for that movie, the Kevin Sorbo movie and the subsequent sequels, which are apparently huge. I don't understand it, but there's three of them total or are there more? There's three. Okay. Yeah. There's three. Three's enough. Yeah. (laughs) Probably Kevin Sorbo (laughs) for anybody. But yeah, Josh, like you said, I, I really feel like, um, a lot of younger, uh, Christian music listeners might, yeah, might not even know, that they have this earlier discography that was all original music and it was a little more quirky. They made a lot more like kind of bold instrumental choices, production choices, even lyrical choices. And then they kind of like transitioned into this kind of like polished, really accessible, like almost like a worship band. Yeah. Um, And that was so when they were, it was Peter Fuller was fronting it. I think it was like probably in the early 2000s whenever that transition happened mm-hmm. so that's i mean they still did a good amount they had that album devotion right in 2002 that yeah. was their first i feel like real worship centric record yeah it'll be interesting uh listening back to this to see if i still still feel like it was it's as edgy as i felt like it was as a kid because i remember thinking like I'm such a I'm such a punk listening to this right. strange oh, oh, album. Oh wait, before before we go any deeper, talking about our memories of the album, I have one last super weird newsboys fact. Let's hear it. Peter Furler, the former drummer and lead singer of Newsboys, is cousins with Sia. Do you guys know that? No way. Really? Yeah. How weird <laughs> is that? That's very weird. Somehow it makes a lot of sense. They should tour together. <laughs> newsboy see a tour oh my gosh i'd go i would too. i'd see it'd that. be so it'd be so confusing for everybody though except Everyone. a very a very niche crowd which would be and probably, probably peter and see they'd probably yeah. love it yeah but you'd have all the newsboys fans would be like <laughs> what is happening when Sia comes out with like her little wig on peter furler can wear the wig and then yeah. <laughs> oh wouldn't that be a twist they trade, and he fronts her set, and, and she's she spinning around on the drums up in the yes. air. <laughs> that honestly is like the most Sia thing I've ever heard. Like that could totally happen. <laughs> but okay, let's talk a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about. Oh, well, if I may say, and this was, and just one little fact. This one was produced by Steve Taylor, who produced a lot of their other records as well, right? Yeah, I don't really know much about him other than he was kind of a big name in. Maybe like the indie Christian yeah. music at the time, right? I don't Do you know, know any other albums of note that he worked on? Other Newsboy stuff. I mean, he had a solo career that he did. I think okay. he produced a lot of his records. He did. He does movies too. 
Yeah, so that's what that, I'm. So he did. Um, you know, he he actually is the one that wrote and directed that Newsboys movie. Okay. Um, and he directed the music video for "Kiss Me" by Sixpence and on the Richer. Amazing. And he directed the. Um, do you remember the movie adaptation of Blue Like Jazz? Oh, yeah, that was it. Yes. From 2012. Yeah, he directed that. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know much about, about musically what else he's done, but I, I find it interesting. He seems. I feel he like he's held like in high a, regard, but I can't really tell you much about him other than yeah. he's produced a lot of other stuff. Uh, Steve Taylor, if you're out there, if you want to reach out to our email, churchjamsnowpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to have you on. Hit us up. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it looks like he hasn't done much in 10 years. Maybe He may be free. Probably Maybe he's got like some Peter. time on his hands. Yeah. Who knows? Everyone's got time in their hands. We're in the middle of a quarantine pandemic. Not to date this too much, but... Okay, but I have a question. I, I wonder, because I feel like so much of my Newsboys memories span different albums i wonder if this one stands out in particular because the album art is so dang good yes for sure hmm. like it's so different from everything at the time it's weird and it's still like today like it still looks great like and you know you know what i mean like i wonder because i'm trying to think okay what, what what were the big songs on this record i Kind of looked over the track list, but I don't really remember much. I remember loving, obviously, Take Me to Your Leader. I remember that song being awesome. I remember that music video being super weird and trippy. Very um, Breakfast. Was that? I feel like that was the biggest one. Breakfast. breakfast was the big one. Oh, my gosh. Dude, I used to have a Newsboys hoodie that had a fake Captain Crunch on yes. on the front, and then flames on the back that said breakfast not served here (laughs) i remember that yeah okay so for people that haven't listened to this record breakfast was like the big song because they talk about catchy yeah you talk about they don't serve breakfast in hell breakfast in hell and i remember thinking like and not having the context of curse words or things like that and not really understanding it Within that context, I was like, are, are they allowed to say hell? Like, yeah. they say hell in this song. So it felt really edgy. So you know edgy. what I mean? Yep. Like, Yeah, you felt a little punk rock while you were singing it. Just a little bit, yeah. Yep. When the yeah. toast is burned and oh, all the milk has turned. turned, Captain Crunch is waving farewell. Bye. <laughs> it's something, it's something. A- may the song remind you they don't serve breakfast in hell. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when the big one finds you. May this big one find you. Which is that like, supposed to be the devil? Like, like, like the like the most spit shined, polished, fire and brimstone turd that I've ever listened to. But not but a turd. It, it appeals to you because you want to have breakfast. Yeah, so yeah. Don't serve it in hell, so you better go to right. heaven. I love so. breakfast. <laughs> so you better shape up. <laughs> Or else, because no French toast breakfast. for you. <laughs> they don't serve. Yeah. Okay. I never no thought about that Trinity. until right this second. Until right this second. Yeah. Oh my god. That was like the first thing that I experienced when I heard this song. It was like the catchy melody, and oh, I'm gonna be singing this for the rest of my life. <laughs> and also like these poor people. 
that won't get breakfast. This is blowing my mind right now because I for some waffles. reason, I guess I had some like cognitive dissonance where like, must have. <laughs> like just now I'm thinking of the fact that they're singing specifically, you must get saved and go to heaven because there's no Captain Crunch. Or no breakfast. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> like if that doesn't win souls, what won't? What will? Oh my god. Like I kind of like, just wonder if they just loved breakfast. Like that was their favorite meal, so they were like, well, this will really convict people. Well, okay, I think that takes this us back is effective. to it works though. I think we that all takes us back to, to like <laughs> Peter Furler as a songwriter. He was the primary songwriter for Newsboys during all this time. Right. And you think about Shine, think about Breakfast, you you know, you you think about a lot of these songs take me to your leader. Oh, there are tons of songs on this record that are weird. Yeah. Okay. That's the thing. I remember it being so weird. It's like the very... imagery, the things that that he brings up. Like, cause I remember in Shine too, he talks about he, what he says: a uh, vegetarian barbecuing a hamster. Yes. All oh, right. I forgot about that line. Yeah. He talks about profoundly weird <laughs> concepts. But but it's also the imagery is such that as a child, it's easy to like it's so imaginative that it's easy to catch on to the concepts that he's talking about. Right. They paint a picture, which I find I, I find kind of fascinating. And, and this brings us back to I was saying before, like part of the genesis of this whole podcast is talking about that idea. Like Newsboys was my favorite band when I was seven. And I think back to that now, and I'm like, how? What? <laughs> how? Why? Yeah. They're so weird. And, and it's interesting to think about it, too, because Kyle and we went through Jesus Freak in our last episode. And I remember as a kid thinking that every, every one of those songs was like super normal, super logical, made sense. Like, I, I didn't skip a beat, you know, when listening through to the lyrics. And yet, then when we went back and listened to it and discussed it uh, now in 2020, we broke it apart and realized how illogical and strange all of it was, or a lot of it was. Mm -hmm. And I'm really wondering how this album is now going to hold up lyrically, the concepts, the, the visuals, the ideas that they're presenting. Because like you're saying, I also as a kid thought like, this is weird. Um, so if, is, if we had those moments of bizarre revelation, like what is this song as but like see, here's, seven here's, to 10 year olds, right, like how right. are we going to feel about it now? Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm curious how that all holds up. I don't know. I, I think it's, it's going to be different than Jesus freak though, because like you said, like we had that realization right as children, but I wonder if it's as weird as we thought then. Oh Yeah. Or if the weirdness is what makes it endure. I don't know. It, yeah, in a way, I kind of think, for me at least, I think the weirdness was and will continue to be endearing. Like, I appreciated that about them then. Like, it was a good thing. They towed the line. They were very graceful, as I remember it as a kid, um, with the weirdness. And so I, I, to me, I think I see, I see that as like a pro and not a con for them. I mean, I remember being as a, as a kid thinking it was weird, but I guess I, it was just like one of those things like when you're a kid, you're like, oh, I guess that's just how it is, like whatever. But like, what was it to like people that like adults that were listening 
to it like what what is he saying in this song did they (laughs) just take that in stride like it's the 90s whatever (laughs) maybe okay okay because something that when i was thinking about this something that i kept bringing up was the presidents of the united states of america yeah that band like they were super weird at this time you had peaches you had lump like (laughs) they were doing that like very weird kind of thing and and even though I don't remember a lot musically about Newsboys besides those big songs, there's something about that idea of that profound weirdness of the 90s that I keep kind of comparing them to groups like that. And we'll see. It's going to be fascinating. I can't wait. I do remember, does this album, is this the one that has Cup of Tea? It is. Yes. Is that on? Okay. That was my jam when I was <laughs> nine and angry at everybody. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not your cup of tea, but I don't mind. I remember that song like hitting really heavy, right? Like that song, that was like the one like really heavy rock song on the record. Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, oh, it it's was pretty aggressive. Pre-emo. Like just the sound yeah. of it is pretty aggressive. That's a really beautiful picture to me, like little Kylan resonating with the song so hard that it like you know like lift your lifted your spirits a little bit well at least the newsboys get it (laughs) exactly sitting in my room practicing magic (laughs) and and for the listeners i just uh flourished a deck of cards because i've been trying to learn magic during this quarantine angrily ripping off calvin and Hobbes. (laughs) no those were the good times Love Liberty just goes for the yeah. good times. Cup of tea is for <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Cup of tea me. was yeah. when I was angry. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't remember much else. There's breakfast. Take me to your leader. Reality was was that a big one? Reality. Yeah. Oh, that one I forgot. That's on this record. Lyrics. Reality that comes from above. from above. Oh, God yeah. is love. There's no. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sweet, dude. I'm yeah. so stoked to listen to this record again. Honestly, even just these like handful of tracks that we're that we're listing off that are on this album, it's making me excited because I think what I want to say is like they know how to write a pop song. Yeah. That's gonna be my assertion. I'm well, gonna, hey, I'm gonna say that. Peter Furler, cousins with Sia. They both know. I mean, she's a go. huge songwriter. I guess it just runs in runs in their runs blood. In the family. That's right. Okay, so I think that brings us to kind of the end of this part, which means I believe TJ wants to ask us a question. I've got the age-old question, and Josh, I'm excited to hear what what your answer is. So we'll we'll save you for last because I think best for last because I think you you might also have an extra uh, bit of insight. But um, yes, it brings us to the. The moment in part one of the podcast where we decide whether the album on the chopping block will be a flop or a bop. I'm going to say, I think this album is going to be a bop. I'm just going to put that there. Full choice. Okay. I don't know how to answer this because I totally agree with you, but I'm really scared that... (laughs) This entire podcast, every episode is going to be, this album's totally a bop. And then we listen to it and it's like, wah, wah. this album was a flop. So I d- But that's just because that's what happened last time, Kylan. I know. But that's what I'm saying. I'm scared that that's just going to be the trend, though. I really, really, really want this one to be a bop. I think that it is. I think musically, 
they were interesting enough as a band lyrically they're interesting enough as a band that this album think it's gonna hold up i don't think it's gonna be like a relic of the 90s i think this could be a record that regardless of when it came out is gonna hold up timeless what do you think josh i definitely have to agree i mean i'm pulling for it to be a bop but I will say, and I got a lot of nostalgia with this as well, but this is one of the only ones of like records from my childhood that I've listened to within, I don't know, the past five years or so. So like I'll revisit it every now and then. And every time I do, I still think like it holds up. Like sure, some of it may sound like the production may sound a little dated, but like anything else that would have come out in 96 or 95. Right. And I mean, I'm looking at the length right now, and all the songs, except for there's one almost five-minute song, but everything is two and three, so we're not going to get, like, we're not going to be exhausted listening to the songs, like, on Jesus That's good. Freak. Okay, because Jesus Freak, that was the thing. Ooh. That was so long. Every song was a marathon. The total length of this record is 37 minutes. That is brisk. I am way into yeah, that. for 11 yep. songs, it's great. I can respect that. And Josh, the fact that you have gone back and listened to it recently, I think bodes well. Yeah, it's still in my iTunes. Okay, so cool. I, I, I'm really pulling for it, but I feel like it's going gonna, it's gonna to come out on top as a bop. All right. On top right. as a bop. So we got three votes for a bop. So in... The words of Stephen Curtis Chapman. Let's dive right in and listen to the record, and we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Kylan here, interrupting the show to tell you a little bit about our Patreon. Um, we decided to go ahead and start off with the Patreon because it's a pretty cool way to keep engaged. If you like the podcast and want more Church Jams now, this is the way to do it. Um, we've got tons of stuff planned uh some super fun ideas and i'm just going to walk you through really quick some of the tiers and some of the rewards that we're offering so if you subscribe for only two dollars a month to our the anatomy of tear in cheek tier you'll get episodes a week early without any ads we don't have any ads currently except for this one so you won't have to hear my annoying voice trying to convince you to do it you'll get them all a week early and for two bucks a month, that's not bad at all. But if you bump it up to five dollars, we got our five dollar Iron Frenzy tier. You'll get episodes a week early, plus bonus episodes. We're planning some really fun things, doing some commentaries like on the Newsboys movie that was super crazy. I think I've got some video of me performing in Christmas pageants and things we're gonna talk about and possibly even do the same kind of analysis we do for Church Jams now for other albums that were out at that time that weren't necessarily Christian albums. We've got some pretty fun stuff planned. Then for $10 a month, step up tier the microphone, you get bonus episodes, all of that good stuff. Plus we're doing a thing we're calling cover of the month club, where each month for members that do the $10 tier, we're going to put up a list of potential songs that we have talked about thus far in Church Jams Now. And we're going to put it up like a poll and you get to decide. And me and TJ are going to record a full produced cover of that that you're going to get and it's going to be pretty rad we're going to do that every month and lastly for $20 a month the OC super tier you get all of that plus we're planning on doing a live show once a month where we're going to play music and do a Q&A and just a super fun hangout we're pretty fun guys to hang out with if we do say so ourselves plus 
tons of other bonus things that we're coming up with daily. So if you think that's something you might be interested in, go ahead and head on down to patreon.com slash church jams now podcast. All right, let's get back to the show. All right, we are back. We all took a listen to Take Me to Your Leader by Newsboys. Yes, we did. Boy, oh boy, am I excited to talk about it. Yeah, I was not ready for this. I'll just say that. I was not ready. So curious about what that means. Yeah, you'll see. We'll get into it. I'm very excited. I was ill-prepared, but but I am also very excited to talk about it. Sweet. Josh? Yeah, it, it was good revisiting it. I'm I'm very interested to hear what you've got to say about it. You seem to have a lot ready. I'm so excited. <laughs> Although I got through about half the album taking notes, and then I accidentally took a nap. But I'd already, <laughs> I listened to it all multiple times, but when I was doing my listen to like take notes, then I ended up taking a nap i've man, had a rough day today i don't think that bodes well for the listenability of the record sorry to hear that man no no i got i got good notes though and that's why I, it'll be good to listen to these as we talk because i had a lot of thoughts <laughs> all right so let's listen to track one god is not a secret <laughs> All right, so what did you guys think of track one, God Is Not A Secret, as the album opener? It already, like, so early on, the bass is, like, so forward and so busy and so fun. It is. I, I love it. Oh, I so love it. I, that, I, this might just be a running theme through this whole show, that I just love good bass. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. All through listening to this album, I thought maybe we should change the name of our podcast to like to the bass. Such good bass. <laughs> 90s yeah. Christian bass. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say this lyrically, um, and again, this, this seems to be a bit of a, a theme for this album uh, that surprised me. And this kind of goes back to me not being ready for this. Uh, lyrically, this song is kind of angry. It's a little aggressive. At least that's how I kind of received it. And I really wanted to see what you guys thought about it. Does it come off that way to you at all? Lyrically? Yes. I could see that. I definitely think that within this record and kind of in this song is that like the way that Newsboys writes about stuff, it's very like personal. Like It seems like Peter Furler or whoever just singing like, oh, I believe this. Whereas like DC Talk or whatever is very much like, hey, we all believe this. You should believe this, like trying to get you in on it. Yeah, so I feel sense. like to me, like News Voice didn't kind of get away with it a little bit more on this one because, I mean, they're Australian and he's just singing it like kind of about himself. <laughs> but that was at least my take on it. That's fair. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I can, I can kind of see that. Uh, I do feel like there's a lot of weird... No, not weird, but there's there's a lot of anger on this record, I thought. With Jesus Freak by DC Talk, I know, TJ, you talked a lot about the first fire syndrome. Yep. I had an interesting reaction listening to this record where I thought there was a really, really big disconnect between the verses and the choruses hmm. on almost every song, like specifically lyrically. Um, In what way? 
I don't think it necessarily did it in this song. Maybe we can talk about that more in a different song that maybe pulls that a little more. But I feel like the choruses seemed a lot more kind of worshipy and simplified. Or maybe more like positive. Yeah, and like, the verses like... were kind of gritty. Hmm. That's true. But I want to go, I want to talk some production, some music stuff. Go for yeah, it. Uh, for sure. Going back to the bass. I said, listen to that bass. Is he playing is he playing with a pick? I think he's playing with a pick in the beginning. And he's real busy. He does sound like Phil Joel, a lot of the bass parts on this record feel to me like a guitar player yeah. playing bass. Like they don't necessarily match up with the drums. Like they're not a solid rhythm section. He's kind of doing his own thing. And I think that works to a certain extent on some mm-hmm. of the songs. It doesn't work for others. Uh, but I definitely think it worked on this first track. I also love the super 90s snare drum. It's got that high pop, you know? Yes. It's that, that super ringy snare. I was way into that. The drums on this album are, they just sound really nice. They like, do. They're like core 90s, like the mix and the production, but super fun to listen to. Yeah, I thought overall this was a really good album opener. I like the way that it kind of started with the guitars with the super like phasery uh, yes i agree it's very spacey kind of which thing. is a good intro to the record yeah. for take me to your leader exactly it yeah like that's what i said it felt very futuristic in like a very 90s way and i think it was a perfect intro for the whole record i agree i like that term spacey too josh and like i noticed there's a about two minutes in the guitar riff like pans really well yes oh, right. i wrote that too that was super so cool you, you feel like this like spatial kind of journey. And that happens a couple times on the record, for sure. I noticed that today. I, I, yeah, I, I enjoyed that. Is it just me, or did either of y'all realize how freaking Smashing Pumpkins the Newsboys were at this time? <laughs> it definitely came through on this listen. Like, production-wise, and his voice. Oh, yeah, Like, he's sure. got the kind of Billy Corgan. I wrote Smashing Pumpkins is probably my biggest touch point. Touching right. point. Peer influence. It, yeah, that was like the biggest thing that I kept comparing it to throughout the whole record. Sound. He's got, yeah. he's definitely got the Billy Corgan kind of vibe when he's singing. Lyrically, what do you, do you guys have any, any thoughts? I specifically really liked the line, uh, drop the God, emphasize the beat. I like what he was talking about lyrically in that part. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because that's the part that to me comes off as really angry. And I guess I might out myself a little bit here, and that might be helpful going forward. I don't mind kind of saying this um, to qualify what I say. I guess what I'm getting at is like, I really feel like it's helpful in in songs or in any art form or in conversation to um, to to try to be understanding of like the opposition anytime you're presenting a point, and like frustration and like anger can be very effective but in this case to me as a listener it felt very pushy it's like like i see that you're frustrated about this situation but like maybe you could come at it cross offends you find another voice yeah um maybe you could come at it a little more diplomatically and i guess that's kind of what i'm getting at it's like super great lyrics and and they come off a little aggressive um he also says something about rather he he'd rather be buried in wet concrete and then later he says he'd rather be dipped in uh, bubonic plague yeah those visuals are stunning they're incredible i applaud that lyricism and it's like ouch 
I know, but see, that's, I feel like that kind of goes back to what we talked about just a little bit ago of Peter Furler, I think, is writing from a personal place. Yeah. And this feels very much like a band that had been around at this point, right? They started in 1986. So this is like a quote unquote Christian band that had been around for about 10 years, but hadn't really had a ton of success until a little bit before this. I think that's his perspective, right? Like that's gotta be like, like talking about probably agents and you know, all these Christian music labels and stuff. Big But I just loved, yeah. Your in-depth research shows drop the God, emphasize the beat. I've heard that positive pop you dig. Like I loved his use of plosives in all this too. Like it sounded really cool. Like that positive pop you dig. Like it sounded, yeah, it was pretty sweet. Yeah, I applaud the lyricism, hands like hands down. I also, uh, I, I, I wanted to ask what you guys thought of the line: "When a bird in the bush beats two in the hand, the truth ain't nothing you taste and hide. You got to get up, put up, and get off your backside." Is that this song? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. When faith ain't easy to understand. That just like popped out of me as something that I didn't notice before. Uh, I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's a lot. I feel, I know, I know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. This does seem really angry. I didn't realize how angry it was until you brought that up. When I read it, it comes off as a little more angry than like listening to it. When you're listening to it, you're kind of just bopping along and you're like, wow, these are great. Kind of softens the blow a little bit. Um, Having the music go with it. Yeah. That's true. I I think so. Yeah. Which, which is artistry. Like truly I, I can, I can hand it to to them for putting together something that like has a bit of a bite to it and 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 i respect that um that they could that they could kind of uh pair it back a little bit with with the the music and yeah you kind of just enjoy the enjoy the ride a little bit when you're listening i think so yeah i think it's a really solid album opener yeah i don't know does anyone else have any 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 thoughts yeah, and it's pretty straightforward of a song. Yeah, musically, it, it does kind of just, it's, it's, it's I did, pretty linear. Yeah, it did seem like it just kind of didn't really go anywhere, though. Like, it sounded really good, and then probably about two minutes in, thank God it wasn't a DC Talk <laughs> song, so it wasn't like oh, six man. minutes long. Yeah. Because, right, it was only like three minutes or something. We'd still be listening but, to it. Yeah, but it did feel like it just kind of kind of stayed similar kind of throughout. along yeah, yeah i didn't have a ton of peaks and valleys yeah, musically it's kind know? of at the same level mm-hmm. it starts at the whole rest of the song yeah but right. that's not necessarily a bad thing and right. i think i think for an album opener i think it kind of lets you know what you're in for a little bit you know you have some interesting lyrics interesting lyrical content some sweet sweet bass sweet sweet and bass. some 90s drums you know you know what you're what you're what you're in for with this record? Yep. Oh, and also to uh, just make a note here, I I tried to uh, track down the songwriting credits for all of these. Oh, nice. I think I got them all. Uh, this one was Peter Furler and Steve Taylor. So we mentioned we mentioned him before. Yeah, I saw. I was surprised to see actually Steve T- Taylor as co-writing like basically all the lyrics on almost every song and then Most yeah and then he was sole lyricist for a couple of them i don't know if we want to talk about that when we get to them but i was a little surprised at that like especially when it comes to some of the weirder ones that i would have expected that to be 
a Newsboys original, it was from Steve Taylor. Yeah. I'm like, oh, uh, that's interesting. Interesting. Huh. Well, I think we're good to go. Let's move on to track number two. Take me to your leader. <laughs> This one starts out oh, so man. great. I love this song. It's so good. It totally reminds me of like presidents of the United States or like apples in stereo. Like one of those really fun, dancey kind of 90s bands. I love the organ. Oh, yeah, those little mm-hmm. slides. Like that always blast. Ah, yeah. So and that guitar rad. line is just like so happy. It's I just so love good. it. It's real fun. Oh, yeah. It is. Um, so I'm going to say too, I love the vocal effect that they have like during the verses. It's kind of sort of the radio, you know, the kind of filtered effect. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that the guitar on the verses, it's like the wall guitar and it matches the vocals. Right. That's that's really cool. cool. It kind of emphasizes that. Uh, I also really loved the, the, but McQueen, she ain't reference. Dude. If y'all... Yeah. What? What you got? Honestly, that whole first verse is just like jam packed. It's incredible. The wordplay blows my mind. Uh, I have wordplay on my notes. So he goes, Isabel, Isabelli dancer. I know. It's almost like rap like. With a kleptomaniac's restraint, tried stealing Helena's hand, hand basket. I can't even say it. So he's like alluding to going to hell in a handbasket yeah. by creating this character of Helena and then made a fast getaway, but McQueen, she McQueen ain't, she that ain't. line you mentioned. And then at the courtroom, check this out, Joshua judges her ruthlessly. So for those that don't know, that's a, that's a biblical Old nice Testament reference. Um, book reference. Uh, Joshua, Judges, and Ruth are all books of the Bible in yeah. that order. Yeah. And so he's just like nailing that. And then on account of Ruth walking out on him. So then he like creates this, this scenario of like, there's this guy named Joshua who's a judge that's judging Isabel. And he has this. Judges her ruthlessly romantic on interest of Ruth walking out. Like, <laughs> of Ruth walking out damn, on him. And then so she good. says, in the big house, Isabel is a telling all. Again, kind of playing on the name Isa, uh, to the chaplain who's become her friend. So, like, still don't really understand what's going on in that verse, but that wordplay is insane. And it's, and it's fun to listen to. But it tells a story. Yeah. So fun. Yeah. It's like, it is very, once again, it goes back to those, like, plosives and stuff. Like, it's just like. Yes. It, yeah. It's really fun to listen to. And I like, too, I like that they switched off vocals on the verses and choruses, like I think they played to everyone's strengths there. Yes. Because is the is the chorus is that Phil Joel? The chorus is Phil Joel. Yeah, this one John James is on the oh, verses. See, I that's so weird. Could you tell if it was John James or Peter Furler? No, no. I, yeah, I could have sworn it was Peter Furler the whole time. I always thought it was Peter Furler. That's yeah, so weird. I can't to pick me. them apart. Sorry, John. The There's one song later that they sing on the same one, and it's like I don't know when one ends and the other begins. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is this is a song that Steve Taylor is the only one credited for lyrics. So as far as we know, for yes. lyrics, oh wow, this is a Steve okay. Taylor song. So a lot of that weird newsboys 
style of lyrics and writing. This one, him. yeah, is Steve Taylor. That's great. As as a Newsboys fan, that was a little disappointing because I was like, oh, okay. Obviously, Steve. I mean, Peter Fuller is capable of other weird lyricism and stuff like right. that. But all the wordplay in this one, the credit goes to Steve Taylor. It's super interesting to kind of look at it that way and and realize that like there's this kind of and I don't mean to like uh put a judgment statement on this as a bad thing but just like that there's kind of a man behind the curtain doing a little more than we realized right. as kids listening to this stuff growing up but then did steve taylor did he collaborate with them more after this or is this kind of a one and done on well, this he record? did i think their previous two records this one and then he he produced thrive so they did two records where peter fuller produced okay. their records and then they came back to Steve Taylor for Thrive, and then a couple other ones, I think, afterwards. Okay. So he was kind of like an unofficial member of the band. Yeah, it feels yeah. Like. He definitely collaborated with them a long time. Yeah, he had some so. skin in the game. Like he was invested in them as a band. That's cool. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> Jinx. You, you can't talk again. Oh, I did want to mention for the lyrics the in the chorus about they see us live it. Oi. Oh, yeah. Because they're Australian. That just makes it even better. Like, anyone else, you'd be like, do you really need that rhyme, huh? But if you're Australian, you're like, okay, that's <laughs> it's pretty endearing. Yeah. Yeah, Josh, I had the same thought that, like, only newsboys could kind of pull that off. And I just really like the snare drum. <laughs> Especially on that bridge, too, when it goes, like, real industrial. <laughs> the breakdown. The breakdown. Yeah. Oh, great. It's so good. Totally reminds me of, like, Len or Chumbawamba. You yes. know, what, right? Is it Len, that band, Don't Steal My Sunshine? Like, very, like, 90s alternative. I was right. super stoked. Also, I, I wanted to mention uh, whenever they jump to that key change, um, Kylan, in our last episode, uh, we talked about DC Talk not uh, needing the key change that they used, and it right. just really seeming weird and off-putting. I wanted to cite this as an example of a key change that works very well. Yeah, I agree. It was just into that last chorus. It's a lift. I couldn't tell if it was mm-hmm. or it wasn't, but it's good to know. Yeah. I will say though, for as much as I do love this song, this one I know it's really short too, but I got a little bored towards the end with this one too. Yeah, just from the repetitive chorus, it feels a little repetitive. Okay. It feels a little repetitive towards the end. Well, yeah, they do. You know. They do that same progression four times at the end, whereas at the beginning they only do it. I think twice. Yeah, I found I just I found my mind start to wander a little bit after especially because the verses were so interesting and the chorus is interesting but then they just kind of keep repeating it. Yeah. Repeating the same. Although they changed it up lyrically at the very end. I was just about say, to say that. Let's take them to our leader's, our leader's son. son. Oh. Yeah. Well, Jesus blowing my mind mic drop but i get okay so like we were talking about before i get why as a seven-year-old i loved this band oh yeah like it's just fun to listen to so much fun but lyrically it's really interesting and i think you know steve taylor and peter furler i think broke down some interesting concepts like theologically i guess i know Mm -hmm. talked in the last episode we're not really qualified to talk about any of this from a biblical perspective on like if it's true or not but i feel like they broke down a lot of concepts that a seven-year-old could understand right so it weirdly makes sense to me 
But it also had to be weird for them that they had so many children fans, right? <laughs> it's got to be. <laughs> I've never thought about that. No, well, you... like that's got to be weird when you're like a weird, a weird Australian rock band that's like inspired by. I feel like they take some influence from David Bowie and like they did the real showy. They liked weird rock and roll antics to then have a big chunk of your fans. of your fan base be 12 yeah that's weird that's got to be weird well, in right? the video you sent of that drum solo yeah you just see tons of kids and then just their parents there yeah oh yeah we will post i don't know if do we talk about that on mic the drum solo i don't you remember did. if we did i think okay. you mentioned it yeah well we'll we'll post a link to that too whenever we post this episode because it is bonkers wonderful it's so cool yeah. so cool i just want to like acknowledge their wordplay again in the second verse justin is a justin the odor from theodore's evergreen incense oliver's all liver supplements and his late mate merrily merrily sold said. immortality said immortality or said sorry said can't immortality. be bought in a jar can't be bought in a jar this just in justin's had enough of cure-alls gonna quiz the neighbor kid with the fish on his car yeah, it feels very rap-like, Ooh, right? Yeah, like, bars. Australian bars. Aussie bars. Very, Australian bars, man. Aussie bars. Long. Aussie dropping, bars. Hashtag dropping <laughs> Aussie bars is going to be the hashtag for this episode. Now, Kylan, tell us, what is Australia? Um, bars? So bars are <laughs> rap lyrics. Lines. Got lines it. of verse. Thanks. Wait, that's Australia? No, no, no. We're, um, we're talking about bars first. But Australia... Australia is a country in Oceania. So track three. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> the largest city in Australia is Sydney, but do you guys know the capital? I actually used this as a trivia question once. What's the capital of Australia? Melbourne. Is that it? Josh, it's, yeah, what it's you got? Not, it's not no, Perth, you gotta, you get... That's the only one I know, right? No, it's Canberra. Oh, yeah, I got that wrong for sure. <laughs> that's not <laughs> a real one. <laughs> I know. All right, so let's move on to track number three. All right, track three on Take Me to Your Leader is Breathe. This one's got that real edgy guitar from God's Not a Secret back again. Yeah, I loved it. Cool electric guitar. It's a lot of scratches, yeah. The, first thing I wrote. the chords and the, the open, the scratches. Yeah. It reminded me yep. of like Collective Soul a little bit. Like not quite grunge, but that like adult, 90s adult contemporary kind of heavy mm. guitar. I also found it incredibly interesting that in this first verse, if you listen to it, I don't think there's any bass. Hmm. I think it's just the drums and the guitar. That is interesting. Also, do they do one bar of 5-4 before the chorus? I, I don't know. Go back and listen. Okay, hold on. Let's, I'm gonna let's, go listen, back and listen. let's listen to it right now. All right, this are we, is are like we starting over. Uh, sure. Let's just start over, and I'll find I'll find the time. Okay. This is some straight up music nerd. It's right at the end. You said it's right before the chorus. I think they do one measure instead of doing a measure in four four. I think they do one in five four. Is it seven four? Do they do a a four four and a three I don't four? Know. I counted the, to seven there. Maybe in that break. Yeah, maybe it's. It's right after the lyrics stop, yeah, and right? Yeah, break right before. Like they do something. Okay, maybe it is seven four. TJ, what you think? I think they do it at the end of every verse too. Yeah, it does sound like seven four. Okay, all right. So we solved that mystery. They do one. I think. I think so too. But that's some. 
Weird. Super cool, dropping a beat. <laughs> music nerd stuff. But yeah, I just I thought that was I thought that was real interesting musically. Man. Yeah, that's fun. I can appreciate that. Yeah, and I it's done well so that you don't even <laughs> notice it. Like, cause I didn't even know. I, I know. had no idea. You caught it, Kylan. If you hadn't brought it up, Kylan, like I yeah. never would have listened. You're back welcome, to it. world. Good job, cracking the big stories. Genius music nerd, you. Peter Furler has been waiting for thirty years for someone to find that and be like, I wrote "Probably this and no one's noticed." <laughs> Probably, but I'm just like, I don't even know what it is. I'm like, I don't know. This is what. 614, do something it's something, <laughs> but it's weird, and I pointed it out, and you guys talked about it. That's what's up. We figured it out. Yeah, I think they do it at the end of every verse, but all right, we can talk about something <laughs> else now. <laughs> cool. This was something, in listening to this record, a kind of theme I got with some of the songs, and on this one, and then starting with a couple other ones, but this was like one of the first ones where I feel like, I don't know if maybe just the way that Peter Furler writes his lyrics, or... If he maybe he just hadn't got to a point where he had fully developed as a songwriter yet, still like he was almost there because like he was still writing good stuff. But there, there's this and mm-hmm. a couple other songs where like it starts, and I feel like you're just kind of thrown into the song. And I'm like, am I supposed to kind of know what's going on here? Do I know the story that he's narrating? Right. Well, this goes back to what I was talking about before of the weird disconnect between between the verses and the choruses. Right? Like, it seems like Peter Furler loves to tell stories in the verses. Like, he likes to write very narratively. But then it, I felt a weird disconnect between that like and the chorus. Like, it doesn't bridge the two yeah. that well? Exactly. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm almost listening to two different songs. Like, I feel like he wrote, like, a short story right. for the verses, but we don't get any of the backstory. And then the verse is just very generic, or the chorus is very generic. It's a big logical jump you have to make. Yes, and and to to sort of further uh, cement that point, like the verses, it's like he walks you through this journaling process almost. It's like he's like making journal entries and he's saying like Tuesday, this day, Wednesday, this day. And all of them are like so negative. Like he is bummed out, y'all, on the verses. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and again, like it is such a disconnect because like the the sort of like philosophy or the mood of the song is like the verses are very sad and like despondent. And then the, the chorus is like, breathe on me, breathe a breath of God, <laughs> like trying to find inspiration and like positivity. And, and I can appreciate that and the juxtaposition there. And it is very like jarring for the listener because you're like, wait, are you okay? Or are you not okay? What's going on? Maybe it kind of makes sense. Maybe he was just like really angry and then having the chorus be such a so different thematically from the verses maybe makes sense in some weird like i don't know in some maybe in some except way. the very last thing that he says before the chorus again is you laughed when i fainted don't want to live this life bitter and tainted mm. so that doesn't <laughs> seem like he's changing at all yeah i don't know well that one makes know. a little more yeah. sense because he doesn't want us so then he's turning to God to get to be breathed on a uh, breathed upon. Uh, but yeah, the, that first verse jump to the chorus, there's not even like any, like, this is where I'm going to go because I'm feeling, I want to be avoided. Right. I think the only other thing I have like right. lyrically, and this was one of the only few 
I mean, you mentioned it in Take Me to Your Leader that it kind of drags on and repeats a lot. This one was the main yeah, one I said, for me because the chorus, I think at the end only repeats like maybe two or three times, but it's the chorus is just so repetitive. Like a full proper chorus is eight lines. So by the time you do two choruses, it feels like it could have been maybe four choruses. So towards the end, that was getting like, okay. Yeah, for the songs being so short, I kind of felt that too. They all started to get real repetitive by the end. Yeah, I yeah. got a little bit. Well, and just looking at the lyrics of it, like this it's two very short verses of like of like seven or eight lines. And the chorus is only eight lines. So like they could I feel like they could have done a little bit more of like writing some more song some more lyrics in there. To I agree change that, things that, up that's literally to also kind of make those logical jumps less of less of a big leap. Right. Yeah, that's literally something I wrote in my notes is said they felt like they didn't have enough lyrics. Hmm. For as interesting as those lyrics were, it felt like they could have done a little bit more yeah, to maybe tie it all together. Better. But what do we know? This got to the top of the CCM charts. Did it? Yeah, all every song except for Miracle Child. Wow. When we talked about that, yeah. They all got at least like top 10, I think. Way to go, Newsboys. It's crazy for every, almost every song on your record just to blow up. But also blow up specifically in the Christian music scene, which is kind of why we decided to do this podcast in the first place, is talking about that. Like, are these albums worthy of that? Because I think these albums are worthy of real critical discussion in a way that I don't know if they've necessarily gotten before. Right. Because I wasn't, I wasn't when I was seven. I wasn't like I wasn't discussing how Phil Joel played that sweet, sweet bass with his sweet, sweet locks. I was just like, "This is a fun song." He's talking about breakfast. I didn't sound that stupid when I was a child, but you know what I mean. Like, but I think it's important to to yeah to give some critical discussion on whether these albums deserved the attention that they got or were was the Christian music scene just kind of starved for interesting talent. I don't know. Yeah, I I think Newsboys are a great example of a fairly large fish in a fairly small pond. So it's important to consider that and give it the critical feedback that it never got before. That's very true. All right, we've talked about Breathe for such a boring song. We've talked about (laughs) it entirely too much. So let's move on to track number four, Reality. Alright, so this song, the opening, I watched, did any of you guys watch any more of that Newsboys movie, that Under the Big Top? I got like the first 20 minutes of it. Okay, it's all, the first couple minutes is just lyrically this song just shown on the screen, very literally. Which, yeah, where are you going with that? (laughs) I don't want to cut you off. I don't know, it's just (laughs) weird, man. I don't know, I got nothing. I got very Love, Liberty, Disco vibes from this. I can see that. Right? Completely. Like, I could see them doing this track and being like, ah, maybe we could do an entire album of this sort of disco influence, like with the bongos and you have kind of the synth strings in the back. Yeah, I gotta say, this might be my favorite song on the album. 
Really? Mm-hmm. Why is that? I love it. I don't know. It's just super fun and super weird. And like, I laughed a lot listening to the lyrics. Yeah. Um, I think that like, maybe I like a song that doesn't take itself too seriously. Or at least like, like we talked about in the last episode about like sometimes um, DC Talk, their lyrics might not match up with their music so well. Right. Um, there's like a disconnect there. This song to me seems like a perfect example of lyrics and music matching up perfectly. Okay, but see, I have a problem with that though. Really? This is this is another song where there's such a disconnect between the verses and the chorus that it just it jars me too much. Because yeah, I I love I love both parts. I love the verses and I love the chorus. It's all super catchy, but it it seemed like two different songs to me. Well, and it doesn't really like it's hard to tell where the song is going cuz I'm like I was like, I guess it's just like a modern retelling of like the prodigal son story, but like the, he's in the circus now. Oh, yeah. That was the only thing I, I could get from it. That. Otherwise, otherwise, it's just a random song about some dude working for the circus for the verses, and then the chorus is totally different. But that was the only connection right. I could make to where I'm like, okay, maybe that's the unifying theme here or what he's trying to do. I like you bringing up the prodigal son uh trope or like idea josh i never would have even made that connection and honestly even if it's not that even if it's not a modern retelling of the prodigal son i kind of just like it for what it is it's this weird song about this guy that joins the circus and he's his reality his reality is shoveling elephant dung and getting threatened by a clown with a knife. That's, that's good storytelling right there. That's this guy's reality. No, it's, it's, I, that's what I'm saying though. Like, okay, this is what I was talking about before. Peter Furler loves to tell stories in his songs, but I just kind of wish that there was more connective tissue between the verses and the choruses. Yeah, I completely agree. Yes. There's a lack of connective tissue. Or just leave it all, all the verses. I don't think anyone was thinking this way back in 1996, but it would be cool if I know they came out with this movie, but I wish they had almost done like, uh, I feel like Peter Furler needs to either write a novel or he needs to do some sort of like childish Gambino situation and do like a screenplay that accompanies the whole album or something. You know, I feel like he's got, he has bigger thematic ideas on his mind right he needs to tap into all of the creative potential that he has yeah in multiple facets also phil joel's on fire on that bass that's true man it's such good bass this is the one that has john james and peter furler listed as lead vocals and it's hard to tell which one is which i know i know it's so strange to me it still is just blowing my mind that it wasn't always just Peter Furler. Oh, yeah, for sure. I never knew as a kid. TJ, I'll, I'll uh, join you and say that this is my favorite and what I think is the best song on the record. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, like, lyrics, like, despite the disconnect, I mean, there's a really great cadence um, and, like, fun, bouncy nature to the verses and the chorus is just so catchy as well. And it's just a fun song. Sonically, I really like it. Uh, that road's in the beginning, the road sound. Yes. Um, they have those really cool... Josh, explain what uh, a road is. Things you drive on with your car. 
and oh cool i love that rose in the <laughs> nailed it they sound great you put them in songs all the time um they have like this cool i have just cool bubbly gargly effects that have nice have a nice texture yeah um i really like the vocoder sound on on the chorus it adds mm-hmm. a really nice texture to the song so sonically i think this one is the most interesting it's probably the most fun it's got pretty good dynamics so this was the one okay. they've got that I think holds up the best after all these years. Yeah, I was gonna say they've got that stomp clap chorus. Yeah, like, that is cool at the end. Yeah, that's really fun. fun. Yeah, that's pretty fun. Oh yeah. I could see that live being really fun. Oh, so it's, fun. Josh, you mentioned the vocoder. I wrote that down as well. And I was trying to distinguish whether I also heard a talk box or if it was just vocoder. Do you guys know? I don't. Yeah, I gotta go I back and listen. I only noticed the vocoder, but it could it could be in there. I I couldn't tell if there was both or if it was just a vocoder, but I love that vocal yeah. effect. Super fun. All right, so both of you guys have decided this is your favorite song on the record. Both yes. of y'all. Yeah. Okay. Which when I was a kid, it, like all right, breakfast was the big one. So this was like the cool one that ramps you up to right. breakfast. But now I'm like, nah, this was stealing the show the whole time, you know, and we just never knew it. Mm-hmm. So. Breakfast has been dethroned. Yeah, I mean, I think Newsboys felt similarly uh, because this is how they start their movie. Yeah, they made the movie off of it. So mm-hmm. okay, interesting. I don't know. I I, I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't see it the same way as y'all. That's fine. That's fine. Am I? I don't know if I'm just if I'm just creating tension for the sake of creating tension, but. Well, whenever we get to what you think is <laughs> your favorite one, and I did have like I came, uh, I had like wrote down what I think my favorite, the best one, and the worst ones are on the record. So I don't know if we can talk about yeah. that afterwards, or like whenever we get to those songs, if y'all want to talk about that. No, I say just whenever we get to them. I will say though that the first half of this record is crazy front loaded with hits. Yep, it is. It is hit after hit after hit after hit all the way through the first half. Which leads us into song number five, the biggest song, I believe, of this record, Breakfast. But before we play this song, we're going to do a new fun little segment. We're not going to do every time, but we're going to do, how do I say it? Pod Aoki? <laughs> you got it. Pod Aoki. All right. You want to explain, TJ, what Pod Aoki is? So, for all our lovely listeners out there, this is a chance for you to participate in our little podcast. For Pod Aoke, one of us will read off lyrics to the next song that we're about Nuh-uh, to talk about. Uh-uh. We're going to sing. Oh, we're going to sing? Yeah, we're going to sing. We're going to sing the correct lyrics for a snippet of the song that we're about to talk about, and then another of us will sing incorrect lyrics and you've got but you don't guess. know which one you don't know you which don't one know. you've got to guess be... which one is right and which one is wrong we found karaoke versions of this song and one of us is going to sing the correct lyrics and the other of us is going to sing lyrics that we created essentially on the fly right the before fly. we started recording one of us is going to sing the correct lyrics one of us is going to sing the incorrect but you don't know which order they're in and it's up to you the listener to guess which of these is the correct version of the song. So, here we go. And the answer will be at the end of the episode. Oh, 
When he checks out on his life He won't need his lucky charms Eating brunch with God tomorrow Put out the pasture on the farm Breakfast clubbers drop the hankies Though to some our friend was odd That day he bought those my pajamas His check was good with God So one of those is correct And one of those we totally made up and this album has bonkers enough lyrics that I think it's going to be pretty hard to figure out which is which. Yep. So good luck. Go ahead and cast your vote mentally, and we will tell you the answer at the end. So, guys, what did you think of track five, Breakfast? I got to say once again, great drum sounds. Really so love those So good. Drums. Okay, but I forgot this song was about a funeral. Yeah, did you? That's so weird to me. It's super weird, right? I wanted to ask if either of you knew if it was like actually autobiographical on some level. Like, I remember thinking uh, as a teenager listening to this song that it was about a friend of theirs. Literally. Who loved breakfast? Who loved breakfast. Honoring him. And it was like their ode to him. Yeah. Could be. Yeah, I don't know. I wanted to put it to you. Apparently, we aren't aware. I wonder. Yeah, I don't know. I I can see that. that I can see that that kind of went around too. Like when you bring it up, it I kind of feel like I've heard that before. Maybe it could be a Mandela effect, but I don't know. I don't know if that was or just a rumor that circulated youth groups, perhaps. Josh, explain the concept of a Mandela effect. Uh, No, you don't have to do that. (laughs) I hope I used that correctly, but (laughs) Google it if you need to. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I could see this. It is so weirdly specific that I could actually see it being very personal to them. You know? Yeah, it really could. And that's, I think, why I wondered, um, because it seems very, very specific. At the same time, I wanted to let you guys know that there are 18 unique examples of food or breakfast time references, puns, uh, or metaphors. Thank God you so counted, because I did not. There were facts. quite a lot, though. All right, yeah, all right. You want to list them all off? No, oh, wait, that no, will give away. Because we don't know. That'll give away the answer to the pot yes. aoke. Yeah. Okay. Just for the listener, just go through and enjoy this song. I just encourage you to listen to it. It's wonderful. Oh, this is. A song with Steve Taylor listed as the only lyric writer. Weird. Okay, so Steve Taylor's He's the, the weirdo. one that lost a friend. <laughs> I never breakfast. knew. Maybe. I never knew. Yeah, could be. I thought it was really clever to say the line, Oh, rise up, Fruit Loop lovers, sing out sweet and low with spoon held with spoons held high, we bid our brother Cheerio. Oh, that's a that's an action packed line right there. That's so good, man. It's like, it's weird. It's weird as hell, but it is so good. It's so evocative. Like, you get it. Yes, but on the opposite end of that, you have in the chorus, when the big one finds you, and that one, <laughs> we talked about that in the first half of this, but like, who who's the big one? Like, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? I is it God? Is it death? Yeah, it, I've no, never it's, really it's, known. And like, I just sang it as a kid, but I'm like, I don't know what that means right there. But I don't know who that's referencing. Yeah. But I remember being on the fence between the big one being God and being death. And that being a very confusing association to have for like a jaunty chorus. 
Because I always associated it with like death or the devil because when the big one finds you, may the song remind you they don't serve breakfast in hell. So like this is the reminder before he finds you that they don't serve breakfast. So you gotta get right with God, you know? Right actually before my favorite line, the Fruit Loop Lovers, I think this goes back to what TG was saying. Even on the first track, it seems like there's some anger or there's some frustration. There's some things that are coming out in this record yeah but he has a line those here without the lord how do you cope for this morning we don't mourn like those who have no hope i know that's not that's not necessarily angry but it's a little finger pointy a little bit yeah i thought the whistling was rad i have in my notes right around the time you start to get bored the whistling comes in and saves the day this was another song that kind of had an issue where it was real repetitive but yeah the whistling Kind of oh, yeah. save the day. It makes you forget all about like that you were getting it bored. Kinda, it kind of works. Yeah, it was enough of a sonic change that you kind of carry through and enjoy the song. Which, it's this is the second longest song on the record, and it's only three minutes and 40 seconds, which is still well within the realm of like what you would hear on the radio. So it's amazing that they're able to become so repetitive. And this is maybe just because their lyrics, and this one has way more lyrics to it in the verses, the chorus... Is just the same thing over and over again. So maybe they needed to right. kind of expand upon the choruses as the songs went on. But this one has way more lyrics than like Breathe did. But they still like just go through them so quickly, maybe that they just have to keep repeating them, which it works for pop sensibilities. But after multiple listens, you do kind of get a little bored with it. Also, just on the topic of like unresolved issues or anger or whatever we want to call it or just uncertain lyric content um it felt strange to end the song with an outro of a youth choir singing the chorus that now to me feels very ominous to be honest Mm, yeah i wonder if the kids that they had uh gotten together to sing that song are wondering what the song's about maybe they're not maybe they just enjoy the song I don't know. Yeah, it does seem a little more ominous than I remember it being back in the day. But guys, you know what I'm about to say, right? What are you about to say? The song had such good bass. It's (laughs) so good. It's so good. I love the bass. Yes, this one for sure. I made a note. I was like, solid bass line on this one. I'm obsessed, man. Very Why? Why is that the only thing that I pay attention to? Well, it's songs. just been the consistent thing through both the records that there's just been solid bass. But most records, I'm just like, oh, that's sweet bass. You just like that bass, man. I just, I'm all about that bass, man. Call me Megan Trainer. I am no all trouble. about that bass. <laughs> uh, I get it. All right. Do we have anything else to add about breakfast? I think that's all I got for this. All right. One. So let's move on. We're just about halfway through, right? Yes. You know, once we were halfway through breakfast, we were about halfway through the record. Once again, I think they totally front-loaded this album with a lot of hits. For sure. Yep. So I'm curious, I'm curious to get your opinions on the latter half of this record. But let's go ahead and listen to track number six, Let It Go. Let It Go, the instant classic with first graders everywhere from the massive Disney blockbuster Frozen. Not that Let It Go. 
It's a different oh, Let It Go. Oh, oh, sorry. This is not as fun as the Frozen Let It Go. Definitely not. I'm going to come out and say it. That acoustic intro is really fun. This is very Smashing Pumpkins. Also the worst song on the record. Whoa, shots fired. I'm between this and another one for the worst song. Ooh, I'm curious what your other one is. State your case, Kylan. Why is this the worst song on the album? The chorus is very forgettable to me. It sounds real cheesy too, man. It is very cheesy with that, with the little high, the high guitar, the classical guitar kind of coming in on those arpeggiated notes. For sure. This sounds like it could be a DC Talk song. It doesn't sound very specifically Newsboys, right? Hmm. But even the way they're singing it, everything sounds like a song from Jesus Freak. It doesn't go off the rails in the way that a lot of those DC Talk songs went, but it doesn't really go anywhere. True. And it sounds real cheesy. I don't know. I just, lyrically, I didn't pay much attention to it. I don't know. It seems like something that would, it seems like a song that would come about halfway through like a youth group church service. (laughs) They needed to fill out the album. This is, I guess, a good place to put it. It's kind of a dud for me. I want to weigh in about the songwriting here, but now I just don't trust anything that I've researched. So I don't know if I should say No, what you got? Come on. Come on. Well, according to Google, the songwriters are Frederick Taylor, Marlon Coles, Melza Edward Jr. Jordan, Sylvester Earl Powell. So, like, I don't know what that means, but it seemed weird to find a bunch of songwriter names that weren't any That weren't on the rest of the record? Yeah. Josh, do you have anything to add there? Yeah, from what I have, it has the lyrics are Steve Taylor and Peter Furler, and then the music is Peter Furler and Jeff Frankenstein, who is their keyboardist. This is his only songwriting credit from what I'm reading on the record. Obviously, Peter Furler has... Most everything else, this and only another song he shares. Well, I'm just kind of giving up on the internet or my ability to <laughs> use it. But hey, we all are. Kylan, to to respond to your statement about the song being the worst one on the record, it's really funny. I don't know that I would say musically I like the song very much at all because it seems very forgettable. But I, it's the first one that I like. Am super stoked about the message. Really. Okay. To me, it's very compelling because I like the idea of forgiving. I think that that's a, a beautiful concept. And so that spoke to me, even if the melody or the, the music was a little forgettable. See, but for me, with stuff like that, like even if there is a really good message, I feel like it can be kind of watered down by weak production, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. But that also goes back to both of our sensibilities on how we listen to music you know like i feel like it's you know you can get past that and focus on lyrical content a lot easier than i can because right with my add my mind just (laughs) starts wandering i'm like oh this sounds like savage garden okay cool uh (laughs) what else is going on you know like i don't know right but yeah i i I think that's a totally valid point. I get that. I guess the reason I speak to that is just considering how many other songs that to me seemed kind of angry or unresolved or passionate <laughs> in, right. a, in a less than positive way. Um, this finally seems like a song that's very zen, very content, very happy, and with a positive outlook, I guess. Right. 
I get that. But musically, definitely forgettable. Musically, for sure. It does have, I do like, in the second verse, has some some chorusy guitar that comes in, has some nice sounds to it. Uh, I think it gets a little more interesting in the bridge. There's like some different chords, and he changes up a little bit of the melody, like the just let it go part. So I think in the bridge, it gets a little more interesting, but up until that point, it is pretty boring and very, very much the same thing musically. So it's easy to get bored with it. I'll say I wrote down, it's kind of boring. It could be a lot worse, but it's like right on that line. Like it could be more terrible and unlistenable. Like it's passable, but that's true. An okay song is just an okay song. I agree too. I don't think there's much more to talk about. I don't think this song was a bop, but this one also got to the top of the Christian music charts. So because of the message, because of the message, yeah. Hey, all right. So let's move on to track number seven. You ready for track seven? I am very interested to hear what your, uh, your my thoughts, thoughts on coming this in. Song. I haven't listened to this one in twenty years. Yeah, track seven is of course Cup O T. I love the intro. It's not as angry as I remember. It's very Smash Mouth, right? Yes, super Smash Mouth. Agreed. There's another weird disconnect. I think. Uh, lyrically between the verses and the chorus. I have no idea what's going on on this song. Like, what's happening? Oh, for sure. I don't know. It's it's The it, third verse is the only one that makes sense to me. But everything else is like... Yeah. It's fun, but no idea. And this is, again, I feel like, I feel like Peter Furler just needs to go write a book of short stories or a novel or something. His talents would be well-served. But, I mean, it works That's for true. writing this songs song is in not, the 90s. Cause That's true. That's true. In the 90s. But it's a good point. It feels very 90s. Once again, like very Smash Mouth. I love the weird kind of jam after the chorus. But this is, again, it seems like they just didn't have enough song. So they kind of turned into a jam band for a hot second. Yeah. Which I think was very, I think that just kind of happened a lot, you know, around this time. But I think there's probably what the song is. How long is the song? It's 240. It's pretty short. It's. It's 2.41, and I feel about a solid minute of that is just instrumental. I'll say which that is cool. instrumental part is my favorite part of the song, though. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me lyrically. It's about a guy who's like a waiter trying to be an actor or something, right? Or a musician, maybe. I, I can't really tell. There's a part where he says, good stuff. People don't know when they hear. Mumbled something about pearls in a pig's ear. Yeah, maybe it is about trying to like break into the break into the music world. Okay, but this also as much as I love this song, I don't think it belongs on this record. I think musically or lyrically and for however all over the place a lot of these lyrics are, I think this one especially just doesn't really belong. I don't know, what do you guys think? Yeah, I can see how it's it doesn't really fit with the sonic stylings of most of the other songs yeah i mean it kind of fits because it's like a little bit sped up like god is not a secret in terms of that like kind of angry thing but i just don't i don't know why it's here (laughs) right this is one that does not have any steve taylor writing credits on the lyrics or the music so maybe they did need his help because this is what the record would have sounded like if they were left to their own devices 
Yeah. It does remind me, though, of very, like, early Newsboys. The Hell is for Wimps or what is their other record? Boys Will yeah. Be Boys. Mm-hmm. Both of those from, like, 89 and 90. It seems like right around this time, too, they were in very much a transition period of trying to figure out whether they were just going to be a rock band who happened to be Christians or if they were going to be like a Christian worship band, you know? Right. And this seems like sort of uh, sort of the tail end of that first part. They kind of just dragged it along for a while, and it just the, kind of ended up on yeah. this record. You know? Vestige of the rock vibes. Because, yeah, yeah, the only thing that remotely connects to like the Christian side of it is verse 3 when it's talking about like the tongue will steer a ship away. So like coming out of the book of James, but everything else, it could just be a regular song. That's in no way connected to the And as much as I love it, I don't think it belongs on this record. It doesn't really fit, but I do love it. And I still stomped around my house today, angry being like, yeah, sorry, I'm not your cup of tea, but I don't mind. But at the end he says, that's "Ah, what get me. Maybe I do mind. It's been the whole song saying you don't mind. I wanted to ask you about that, Kylan. Do you mind? said maybe i, I don't do mind. mind maybe i do mind maybe i do mind can you just imagine little chubby eight-year-old me being like i don't mind maybe i do mind i've been a real that's, sensitive boy for a long time that's the thing is i i think ultimately you did mind i think so yeah yeah but it's easy to like you fake to believe you didn't angry it uh, is especially to track seven of a newsboys album that's very true. Deep cuts. This is a this was considered a, a deep <laughs> yeah. cut. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man. Well, I got nothing else to say about this. What do y'all think? I think that's all, all I right. got. I think that's all <laughs> I got. Sounds good. Cool. All right. It's a short song, so there's not much to say. So let's move on to track number eight. Track eight is, of course, it's all who you know. What y'all think and of this? I thought it was let's cool. Let's talk about the lyrics on this song, because this is another one that would just be a great short yeah, story. It's got like right? three of them in there. It's got three short stories. I know. For everyone out there, the first verse is about an actor on a sitcom, and the doctor who's giving him a facelift doesn't have a marker, so he can't give him a facelift, which makes the ratings on his show drop, which makes the sitcom fold and the network flop. I mean, yeah, that's just the last thing you would ever expect to hear in a a CCM song. (laughs) Right. But that's like some micro fiction right there, man. That's like some Hemingway level stuff. Oh, it draws you in for sure. You know what I mean? Like, and then verse two, equally so. Like, you want to read the lyrics of verse two, TJ? Yeah. So, (laughs) I don't know if I can. For the want of a cough drop, the musher's throat went hoarse. For the want of direction, the huskies went off course. Then the sled got snowbound. It took some time to free them. Now they're on display inside the British Museum. Dang, dude. I, I kind of love that idea of like fatalism based on the tiniest decision. Okay, that's a cool point. It's, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. I think it goes pretty deep. Which is funny because this song is wrapped in a lot of the like accoutrement of it's got some more like disco vibes. Yeah, it's very disco y and like fun, but he's saying some like serious stuff, man. 
it kind of feels like I I wrote is this a David Byrne B-side? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because it has this It's got some talking heads existential like lyric content, but the music is groovy, boppy, euro right. robotic shuffle kind of Yes, because how Duran Duran is that chorus? Very right. It is so Duran Duran, right? Yes. I could I I love it. This is one of my favorites on the album. This I don't know if it's my top. It might be. That angular guitar line is really fun. If if I may really cool. say something about that. I remember as a kid just getting to that part that after that whatever the second chorus and then it repeats at the end a little bit longer. And I just loved how that sounded and I would rewind it cuz you had to hold down the on my CD player, you had to hold down the the, the, the previous oh, yeah. track, and I <laughs> yes. would I would just rewind it every time it would come on, so I could just hear it again. Like just something sonically within that, like captured my attention, and I I remember like listening to that part over and over again. So that was a that was a big thing for me when I was a kid. Little kid Josh, sick tone, bro. Very sick tone. There is some. Yeah, this is a really tight song, though. I feel like. I feel like Agreed. you've got three kind of stories. Well, you've got two very small scale stories that, you know, get a little bit bigger. And then that last verse kind of, I guess since you guys read the first two verses, I'll read the last one. Do it. He says, for the one of a compass, we'd be shuffling charts. For the one of good radar, we'd be glacier parts. For the one of a lighthouse, can't you see, we'd be lost at sea. Lost at sea. That is so good, man. Oh my gosh. That is so good. And it's wrapped in this bubblegum disco pop yes. thing, you know? Well, in that third verse, the first two verses are very minor tonality, but then the third one has that major, it goes into a major key, which is a real nice shift. Like it brings things, yes. Yeah, it opens up. And it kind of keeps it much more optimistic than the previous two verses does, which is cool. Yeah, but this was super cool. Yeah. I don't is, remember this song being like so is cool. Is this the, the strongest one on side B for you? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Well, uh, uh, no. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, All right. Let me backtrack. Uh, I think so. It's between this and one other one. That we haven't gotten to yet. Which, okay. which all we'll, right. we'll, we'll get to. Wow. Uh, but it's between Suspense. It's All Who You Know and another one. Okay. All right. We can discuss that Good when to we know. get to it afterwards. But yes, yeah. definitely one of the, the stronger ones on the side B. Mm-hmm. It's not as much of a bop as, as side A as, like that, as the first half of the record. But I think, man, I think it's really solid. Yeah, it's a good track. And it, it's musically different enough that it holds your attention, I think, as a listener. Definitely. The ultimate Duran Duran talking head smash up. That's great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know, I but I also don't think it would hit as hard as it does if it was somewhere else on the record. I know we haven't really talked about like, you know, alternate track list. Track lists, but I'm kind of fascinated by that. I think though, if you cut Cup of Tea, I think the song would be even better coming right out of Let It Go. As much as I don't like Let It Go, I think for how weak it is, I think it would highlight It's All Who You Know even more. Just my two cents. It would work as a dynamic shift from that mm-hmm. song in the same way that Cup of Tea does. Yeah, definitely. All right, you guys got anything else about this? I don't think so. 
lyrically, I think it okay. I do think lyrically, it is the most consistent from verse to chorus. You know, I know we talked about before how I keep feeling this weird disconnect between the verses and choruses lyrically. This one for me seemed to make the most sense all the way through. And that may be because it's all just so kind of weird. Because forgive me if I keep going to this well, but this one is lyrics are only credited to Steve Taylor. So it's been Steve Taylor, man. So he has Take Me to Your Leader, Breakfast, and It's All Who You Know, only to him. So these are Steve Taylor originals. So he's got the connections Dang. there. Powerhouse. Guess, yeah. Peter had Apparently. Peter hadn't quite hammered it out yet, it seems. Hadn't figured it out. Yep. Who's a chump compared to Steve Taylor? <laughs> Songwriting champ and newsboys. Unsung hero. And then there's the other guy. What's his name? Je- Justin? Ju- John Ju- James. Josiah James. John James. Yeah. Which, that it guy. didn't seem like he even, even wrote anything. And the, Okay, so he was credited as their lead vocalist. He has lead vocals credited to him on like three of these songs, only one where he's the only lead vocalist on. So... He's not Weird. very much of a lead vocalist. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> That's so weird. He just DJ showed yet? up one day and they were like, hey, can you sing this stuff? And he said, sure. Only three of the songs, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'll only sing three of them. He's lead vocalist for a day. Yep. <laughs> All right. You guys got anything else about this song? Nope. Nada. Good to go. No? We good to go? All right. Let's move on to track number nine, Miracle Child. Sister gone. I love that guitar, that real like phasery kind of guitar. Oh, yeah, it's so good. Look at that feedback at the end of it too, which is a nice touch. Yeah, that's very fun. I stopped writing notes around this point, so I'm leaning on you guys. What'd you think well, of, of this? So this is the only song that wasn't released as a radio single of on the whole record. What do you think of that? Probably smart. I'm gonna say that was a good decision. Really? Why? Why do you say that, TJ? Because the first thing I wrote, I didn't even write the name of the song in my notes. I just wrote filler track, great bass. <laughs> yeah, no, that's kind of how I feel. Definitely. It's, it's kind of on par with Let It Go for me. I think it's better than Let It Go. Yeah, this is another one to me lyrically that I felt like it just got thrown into and I didn't really know where, if I was supposed to know the story that he was talking about or like, like you kind of catch on a little bit by the second verse, but for the first. Right. Half of it, I was like, "What? What? What are you? What story are you telling me here? Am I aware of this? Is it something I know, or is it just? It's not presented that. It's yeah, kind of a little just shaky the way it's presented. I agree, and I agree with TJ too that this is just straight filler tracks yes, for sure. So a lot of the songs on this record have like a very minor tonality for the verses, and they switch to major for the choruses. This one is the opposite, mm-hmm. where the verses are very major and it switches to a minor more minor tonality for the choruses. So that was really the only thing musically that I was like, oh, that's different from this record. Yeah, definitely. It doesn't save the song for me. Yeah, it's a good point, though, that they switched modes um, using the minor tonality for the chorus. I think that's the reason that, to me, this song is such a slog. Um, That's just a personal preference. Yeah, no, that makes sense, though. That's not like an objective critique. 
but for me it just didn't work because the chorus fell instead of lifting yeah it kind of just doesn't go very you know it doesn't change very much really either except for the major and minor but it just feels you know once again this is another song on the record that i think just kind of it just kind of goes very linear yeah i will say though that i dig the bridge it has a quality that finally opens the song up there's Mm -hmm. like an organ moment that's like sunlight streaming in your window right and i liked that a lot yeah i did too i kind of wish that maybe they had played with this one a little bit more I feel like they could have found something that was more in line with that bridge that maybe could have worked for the song a little bit better. For sure. Filler track. Pretty filler. Not much yeah. else to talk about. Yeah. Far it's all right. Best. So let's go ahead and move on. We're almost done, you guys. So let's do track number 10, Lost the Plot. Just like this podcast. <laughs> Very oh, true. no. <laughs> All right, I'm going to say it. I, this is one of my favorites on the record. This is the one contending with It's All Who You Know? Yeah. Or one of your favorites from the whole record? This is one of my favorites on the whole record, but this also does sound <laughs> like a Smashing Pumpkins B-side. Yeah, that's accurate. And I do wish, okay, it is five minutes long, or it's 4.56, and it takes a little bit, and I do get bored around like the two or three, like the two-minute mark. But then it starts to open up, and I think it's super rad. Like, by the end, like, the way they just kind of build on everything. And I really enjoyed this one lyrically as well. Like, what I, I personally think, okay, I'm going to say this now, too. I know we have one more track. We have Breathe Benediction. I think this should have been the last track on the record. For sure. I think if this was the last track on the record, it would hit so much harder, and it would be freaking awesome it seems to be how you feel about albums in general so far what do you mean when we talked about jesus freak i remember you making a similar comment about the second to last song seeming really long because there was the you know reprise right track. well I, I feel like with a record yeah you either need to end really big or really small the next track i feel like is kind of just in the middle but i think this ends really big hmm. and i like Musically, it's super weird. Uh, it goes into like a weird jazz fusion bridge, you know, halfway through, which I think is really cool. But I love his voice on it. I don't know who who's singing here, Josh. Do you know? I think it's Peter. Okay, I love it. I love the scratchy kind of grungy vocals. I love how he starts and ends the song with kind of the same lyrics. When you come back again, would you bring me something from the fridge? Heard a rumor that the end is near, but I just got comfortable here. I think that's so good. That's so good, right? I do like that, and I like that there's the bookend quality for the start and the finish of the song. That's nice. To me, this song, a lot of it lyrically seems indulgently whiny, to be honest. Okay. Um, But I do like the dynamic build, especially when the drums come in. That's really powerful. Like, it's a powerful musical moment. Yeah. And 
It seems too long to me, but okay. I like it. Okay. I like the okay. song. Yeah. Does it just need to get to the more interesting part sooner for you? Earlier? Yeah, they need to because lose I the agree plot with that. earlier. Oh. But I think I think that's I think that's part of it. I think I think that ties This is one of the few songs too on the record where the lyrics I feel really match the music. Like I think I think they're telling I think it's trying to get to what Peter Furler has been trying to do of telling these like weird, seemingly unconnected stories. Yes. Musically, it kind of does that too. And then it all kind of comes together. I agree. There's a, there's a cohesion between the lyrics and the music and it does seem to be really precise. It seems to be precisely shaped both lyrically and musically. Yeah, man. Oh, and it gets real big at the end too. Like it does, the and then it they've got drops him? off. Like yeah, yeah, they go hard, massive. Yeah, I love it. No, I, it seems very, very in my style. Yeah, well, there's I, a lot of theater uh, to it. Yeah, yeah. There's a, which is cool. yeah musically. There's a lot of really cool stuff going on, and, and like the thing that I think getting to the really uh, breaking wide open in the bridge, I really like those the pre-choruses. It, they have some major chords that mm. kind of like, oh, keep it interesting. You think it's going up, and then they bring it down for the chorus again. Keep it kind of low, yeah, which is cool dynamically to kind of build more tension. And then, yeah, they just go all out on the bridge. Yeah, I was well, I was looking into that too, and they do. That's what I was kind of talking about. Like, it gets real jazzy. They do. I think they keep it. I think essentially they're playing A major seven, D major seven to like G seven which is more like music nerd stuff, but it makes it feel really jazzy to me. It seems like chords that shouldn't necessarily work together, but they kind of do. Hmm. It, se- it seems like the boldest take they've done musically so far mm-hmm. on this record. As far as like a chord progression? Yeah, in production, things like that. I just feel like... Well, it's the song that develops the most on mm-hmm. the record. Everything else is pretty straightforward. Yeah, it really does kind of start low in a valley and then it ends like at the top of a mountain. Exactly, which is something that I was struggling with the rest of this record, not necessarily doing. Hmm. I like that, you know, every other song was kind of linear, like we've been saying. And this is the first one for me that just sort of had a real ramp up to get to the final part. Which may be why it's my favorite. I think I think I am calling it this is my favorite on the record. Wow. It's my favorite. Yeah. Okay. Beyond just the nostalgia of just like bopping and jamming, I will of course listen to Take Me to Your Leader and Breakfast. But if I were to hear this whole record now, today, for the first time, I think Lost the Plot would stand out. That's that emo boy coming out. That is very true. That is true. It is I respect the emo that. boy in me. Yeah, it's a good pick. You guys got anything else to say about it? I spoke my piece. Okay. So. All right. So we're almost done. So let's go ahead and do the last song on the record. Track 11, Breathe Benediction. When all is said and all has come undone. When the sun, the moon, and stars grow dark before the day. All right. This is the most worshipy. Right? Agreed. Intentionally, right? I, I feel. Yeah, because it has different lyrics than the 
one that comes earlier, which does not right. have any worshipy lyrics to it. Yeah. Other than the chorus. And even the title having benediction in it seems very purposeful. But I feel this one doesn't really belong on the record either, but kind of the opposite reason of Cup of Tea. You know, like I said, this album was kind of a transition between figuring out whether they're just going to be like a rock band or they're going to be a worship band. And whereas Cup of Tea was definitely the more, we're just a regular rock band, Breathe Benediction is very much a worship song. I don't think it belongs on the record. So does it belong on another of their records that you can think of? Or is it sort of just like out to sea somewhere? Probably. I mean, anything I feel like, no, I think a lot of their stuff after this, I could see it on Thrive. Thrive was their 2002 record. I could see it on there. Musically, that it kind of fits with that kind of stuff for me. But Yeah, that makes sense. It also just felt like a disappointment listening to this after Lost the Plot. Oh, for sure, yeah. It got so big, and then it's just like, I'm like, okay. It feels like an epilogue you don't really need. It's like the end of Harry Potter. It's like an epilogue that no one asked for, no one really needs. It's like the story finished. But What do you think, Josh? Yeah. I definitely feel the same way. I mean, this one was released and charted as well. So, I mean, like marketing-wise, music business-wise, it was smart to put it on the record. Maybe they could have just released hmm. it as a single after the record came out. But, yeah, I feel the same way that it should have ended with Lost the Plot because it just ends so well. I, I don't know. Maybe, like, you could put it, since this was the CD age, maybe you could have put it as, like, a hidden track in there if you really wanted to include it. But Oh, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. ending with Lost the Plot, to me, was the right call. So you think it you but you think it was less of an artistic decision to include this on the record and more of like a corporate like a business decision. Good business. I don't know. Last I, could, minute. I mean I could see them when they're writing breathe to be like, "Well, do we want it which direction do you want to take it?" and they're like, "We well, we should take it best of both worlds. We'll have the real heavy kind of yeah. artistic one and then I do think that's an interesting concept. I think doing that is really cool. It just feel like why would they end the record with this song though? Why why? To me, it makes sense from a conceptual work perspective. It makes sense to come back to a strong moment in the album to give the listener an opportunity to reflect on part of it and immerse themselves in it again to remind them, hey, this was good music. You liked this. This was fun. You'll want to come back to it. And here's a different version of this. Um, For me, the problem is that the song breathe to me it's not the strongest song on the album to get a reprise personally and so i but remember that chorus, feeling that, when that i listen to though, it like, is very like it fits very well within that corporate worship style completely i agree yeah, i think of all i'm just of speaking kind of like yeah. personally it 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 falls flat like you guys are saying because to me they chose the wrong song to do that with yeah. I feel like it could have worked if they had picked a different song to do a reprise of that was stronger, but I don't know what that song would have been. So it's not like I have a solution here. I just Yeah. No, I get that. Bored. That totally that totally makes <laughs> sense. Yeah, I get it. But hey, I will say though, overall this record, it was much faster than Jesus Freak. Very quick listen. Essentially, too, if you take out from Jesus Freak, if you take out Mrs. Morgan and the Jesus Freak reprise, it's the same amount of tracks. Right, but this is also twenty. This clocks shorter. in at what thirty thirty at thirty seven minutes. Feels pretty brisk. It didn't feel like as much of a slog 
to get through. So what I think, I mean, do you guys have anything else to say about this last track? Nah. Okay. (laughs) So what I think we should do, I think we should reward the listeners for dealing with all of our nonsense and let them know, TJ, which version of Padeoke from Breakfast, which version was the real version? It's a great question, Kylan. Uh, to be honest, I think both versions were really wonderful, but the version that we came up with on the fly was when he checks out on life, he won't need his lucky charm, eating brunch with God tomorrow, put out to pasture on the farm. So did you guess right, listener? Did you get it? We all wrote that together, though. We, we all did. went to DBU Music Business. We are we are great songwriters. I'm proud of us. We we could write a Newsboys song in the '90s. That sound that sounded pretty in pretty 90s. legit. Yeah, the fact that yeah. that fits so well and it could legitimately <laughs> have been a lyric on that song. I mean, yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, we're geniuses, is what I'm we saying. We sure are. True. We did great. We're almost done here, but we have the all important question. I believe we should ask maybe our guest first, TJ. Absolutely. Right? And yes. then we can, we can discuss it. All right, you want to ask him? Here we go. So Josh, is Drummer. Take Me to Your Leader by the Newsboys a flop or a bop? I have got to say that it is a bop. I will stand by it. All right. Is that it right? It is a bop. Why, 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 what makes it a bop? Defend your position. Uh... I mean, it's got good and pr- and really good songs on it. It's got a couple okay songs, but at, at worst, they're just okay. When I'm thinking back to all the music that I grew up listening to, this is the one that is most palatable today. Anything else I can think of, I'm like, there's no way yeah, I would I, I could critically enjoy it as much as this one. I agree one. with that. Yes. And, so, and it has some strong points. I mean, I feel like Reality and Take Me to Your Leader are some super strong newsboy songs and it it's got some surprises between it's all who you know and lost the plot that like aspects of them i keyed on key, keyed on to mm-hmm. as a kid but then now listening to them now i'm actually pretty impressed by them what was hidden in them that i didn't really catch on to right. back in the day yeah so i mean yeah it's got some filler in there but what what album doesn't especially but what album age. doesn't right and unlike jesus freak i mean it just just goes pretty it goes by pretty quickly so it doesn't plot along and it's not just losing it to it's way. very fast yeah it's very like fast it. so yeah even when it does when you do get tired of it it's it's gonna be over in a second so and if you like yeah. it you can just spin it again if it was too short for you that's very true all right i think Agreed. that's valid tj what do you think uh yeah i'm gonna call it a bop um i really feel like like josh said it has more great tracks than not great tracks and like josh said even the not great tracks are still okay right yeah so to me it comes out on top i totally agree i think it it yeah the worst track is just like okay yep and And go ahead well, I was just going to say, and like, I could see myself listening to reality today and genuinely enjoying it. Yeah. I think this needs to go on your next uh, dance party playlist. Nice. Noted. Count on it. It'll be there. Yeah. I totally agree, man. I am so stoked that this held up. Oh, me too. The way that I wanted it to. I was so scared after Jesus Freak, man. I was so scared. Yeah. That 
I was surprised Jesus Freak flopped so hard. It really did. We were too. <laughs> but I also, don't... something that I think this album has going for it is the production. It's so Definitely. listenable. It's uh-huh. clean. It's fun. It's dynamic. Jesus Freak, the production was all over the place. Yeah. They just tried to do too many things. This feels a lot more concise. It feels like they know what they were doing. Like, like they knew what they were going for. And I feel for the most part, they achieved it. Once again, there were a couple filler songs, but overall, they did exactly what they set out to do. Yeah. And I think a a super poppy, like a pop rock, very 90s in the zeitgeist kind of album that works. Uh Absolutely. And I think a lot of the credit, as we've seen, goes to Mr. Steve Taylor. (laughs) Steve Taylor, man, the MVP. (laughs) The unsung hero, as Josh said earlier. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So I think that's about it for this record. Please email us at... What's our email again? Oh, yeah. Church Jams Now. (laughs) Please email us at churchjamsnowpodcast at gmail.com if you want to talk about it. We definitely want to hear what you have to say about this record uh before we leave we got a a couple housekeeping things josh i know we talked a little bit about it in the first part but is there anything you want to plug i know you got some music projects and things going on if you want to let everyone know what those are that would be awesome uh only thing it's got going on just came out with once again the plainsman worship album giver of good things available on streaming services any whichever one you Listen to worldwide available. Um, got some other couple things in the chamber as of right now that will hopefully come out later this year. Sweet. Right on. Well, thanks for joining us, Josh. No, thanks yeah, for having this me. Was... This was the one album I really wanted to talk about because it is the one that means the most to me from my childhood. Yeah. And I, was, I really wanted to defend its bopness. And I'm glad that <laughs> one, we all agreed. Aren't you so glad it held up? I am very glad. Yes. Yeah. I think we all are. Yes. I am too. <laughs> all right. So uh, th- that only leaves us one more thing. TJ, what album are we talking about next week? Oh, baby. Listeners, get stoked. We are jumping into the ska end of the pool. Next volume, we are going to be talking about our newest album ever by a little band called Five Iron Frenzy. Yeah. I'm. I'm... I'm stoked about this one. What this came out in 1998, right? Correct. Greatest album ever. I was definitely more of an OC Supertones guy, and the things I remember about Five Iron Frenzy, I remember a couple specific tracks. And I'm not sure if I listened to this album all the way. I mean, I am sure I've listened to it all the way through, but I don't have much of a memory of it. So I am very excited to do a deep dive. Yeah, and it's gonna be a fun it. one. So we'll pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up then. That's awesome. All right, guys. So I think that's going to be it for this episode of Church Jams Now. Uh, Oh, something we didn't talk about on the first episode. Please rate, review, subscribe. Definitely leaving reviews on Apple iTunes, things like that. Helps people get the word out. Yeah. Talk about us on TikTok. I hear that's that's a thing the kids do. I think so. Are you down with the DC TikTok? 
Oh, that's so good. No, I'm keeping that in. I am not editing that out. I end. know that's it. That is the end. All right, we'll see y'all, or we'll hear y'all, or y'all will hear us. Oh my god, I'm so tired. I. All right, that's it. We will talk to y'all next time on Church Jams Now. <laughs>